Amen. You can be seated. So where's your affection set? What is it set on? We've been talking about how Jesus saves. And this morning, uh, I want to tell you truly and just very simply right now, like if your affections are set on anything other than Jesus, then your relationships will suffer. And uh, primarily, it'll begin with the relationships in your home. If If your affections are set on anything other than Jesus... What's going to happen is this, and what is probably already happening, uh, how do I know this? Because I know my own heart, I know my own life. And that is that if, if, if my heart is singing something other than Jesus, what's truly happening is that that is resonating, that, that other love, that other thing is resonating throughout my marriage, and it's resonating throughout the relationship with my kids, and it's resonating throughout my entire life. If my affection is set on something other than Jesus. And so the question is this morning, is where is your affection setting? Where is your affection today? Is Jesus really the one who saves you? Or is there a a new and different savior that is saving you in your life? Or do you have a savior that's always been with you? You you just have never been able to, to shake something that you believe is saving you. And the way that you identify those things is that you're, you look at your greatest joy or your greatest sorrow and you say, what am I sorrowful over? Or what am I exceedingly joyful over? Those things that bring you great joy or great sadness are true indicators of what truly is saving you. Because Jesus died Not so that he could be a piece of your life, but Jesus died so that he could be everything for you. And so we come together as a church on Sunday morning, and we want to resonate together. We want to say, uh, our hearts will sing no other name but Jesus, because Jesus is truly the only one. He's the only thing. He's the only Savior that's worthy of saving us. And when you forget that, that's where we get dysfunction in our lives. But when you have Jesus, even suffering can seem joyful. When you have Jesus, your marriage could be in shambles, but Jesus can put you back together. And your marriage may not be completely saved, but Jesus can save you in and through that. And Jesus can save uh, your, your kids, and Jesus can save your other relationships throughout your, your life as you learn to live in the way that he has called you to live. But if you miss this, you miss everything. You miss everything. We were wrapping up out of uh, this last passage in Colossians. And Colossians chapter 3, 17 says this, And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So Paul is is saying, it's very simple, Paul is saying to us this morning that whatever you do, it doesn't matter what you do, it doesn't matter what you're involved with, Paul is saying, he's saying whatever you do, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. And in and through that, giving thanks to God the Father through him, which immediately begs the question, Is this something, the thing that I'm doing, the thing that I'm involved with, is this something that I can do in the name of the Lord Jesus? And is this something I can give thanks to God the Father through him for? 
Can I give thanks to God for the, for the way that I'm acting within my marriage or the way that I'm acting as a child in my marriage? <laughs> Hopefully we don't have child marriages here. Uh, as a child within the context of my family, which includes my parents who are married, okay? Clarification. Um, am I responding in a way that is glorifying to Jesus? And am I saying through my actions that my heart is singing no other name but Jesus? And I can tell you from personal experience that as I, in, my, in the context of my own uh, marriage and my, and my family, as, as I am breathing the name of Jesus, as Jesus is everything to me, as he is where my affection is set, what happens is this, that marriage seems to go well. And that parenting seems to be bearable, right? I mean, it's, 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 it's what happens in my life as I look to Jesus. But what happens is this, is that if my life and my mind is not set on Jesus being everything to me, what's going to happen is this, is that things get out of whack. I was uh, reading in an article uh, recently, and this is an article from 1966, and the name of the article is Marriage as a Wretched Institution, written by a guy by the name of Mervyn uh, Cadwall Cadwallader, Cadwallader, however you say that. So what he says is this, he says, since marriage is so messed up in our day, he's talking about in 1966, since, since there are so many people who are, who are going to be divorced, since that's going to happen, he says this. He says, the absurdity of much of this lies in the fact that we pretend that marriages of short duration must be contracted for life. Why not permit a flexible contract, perhaps for one or two or more years, with period options to renew? If a couple grew disenchanted uh, with their life together, they would not feel trapped for life. They would not have to anticipate and then go through uh, the destructive agonies of divorce. They would not have to carry about the stigma of marital failure like the mark of Cain on their foreheads. Instead of a declaration of war, they would simply let their contract lapse and while still friendly, be free to continue their romantic quest. Sexualized romanticism is now so fundamental to American life and is bound to become even more so that marriage will simply have to accommodate itself to it in one way or another. For a great proportion of us, it already has. Now that seems like, in some ways, a pretty telling prophecy as to where American culture has gone today. That uh, marriages have gone into this state of uh, almost a, a serial marriages where you, you, you go to one and it seems to work for a while and then that doesn't work and then you go to another. And so what takes place is that there's continual marriage and divorce, marriage and divorce. There's a constant uh, process of the two becoming one and the two shall become one flesh, it says in the scriptures. And so you become one flesh with someone. And if you haven't already done that with people that you've had sexual encounters with, uh, you're doing that with your first spouse, and then your second spouse, and then you're, and, and, on, you're, and on you're going through that. And meanwhile, we have kids that are caught in the crosshairs of that, and they are suffering in the midst of marriage and divorce, marriage and divorce. And there's some of you sitting here today that are contemplating divorce. 
And there's some of you here today who have gone through divorce, and I'm so glad that you're here. And I want you to know that Jesus loves you just as you are. And he's here to save you uh, from all of the things that you've gone through and probably some bad habits that you've picked up along the way. And so I'm glad that you're here. But what, what, what we're here to talk about today is this, is essentially that Jesus has a way that he wants you to live your life. And if you miss it, you're going to miss uh, how to operate well within the context of your marriage. This article goes on to say this. He says, if the demands of society to conform seem overwhelming, the couple should know that simply to be defined by others as married will elicit married-like behavior in themselves. And that is precisely what they want to avoid. How do you marry and yet live like gentle lovers, or at least like friendly room, roommates? Quite frankly, I do not know the answer to that question. Got a lot of answers, a lot of answers as to how marriage should be. And then to end with, uh, I really don't know how that should work. I really don't know. And you know what? That's what our culture is left with. You know, if marriage simply doesn't work, then why would I not subscribe to this type of thinking, which certainly began in the sexual revolution in the 60s and is continuing on through today to an astounding degree. And what he uh, predicted there was essentially that there, there would be term contracts on marriage, marriages in a sense. Essentially, we've just done away with marriage. Many people are just living together. And so they believe that somehow that they're going to avoid this idea that marriage is going to break up if I just live together with my partner, not realizing that that is one of the worst things that you could do for your future relationship with that person. And uh, almost assuredly uh, puts a stamp of this marriage is going to fail over the top of your relationship with this person. And so the question is this, how do we respond to what our culture says is, you know, well, this isn't working, and this isn't working, and this isn't working. And I would suggest this, that most, if not all, of the folks within our culture are saying, I don't know. And so just ditch marriage. I would say this, marriage is God's idea. God came up with it, and so God is the one who gets to define how marriage should go. God is the one who gets to tell us what marriage should be like. But here's the thing, is that it's like, you know, I come back to this story often. When you look at Jesus in the scriptures, we love the, the, the Jesus who comes in and he makes the wine. He comes to a wedding feast and he, he makes the wine. He turns water into wine as his first miracle. And, he, and everybody's happy and everybody enjoys this guy who brings excellent wine to a, a great party, right? But then the next story goes into this where Jesus is turning over the tables in the temple with a whip and saying, how dare you turn my father's house? into this. And so we love the Lord of the wine, but we don't love the Lord of the whip oftentimes. And so we say, you know, I really like this idea of Jesus, the one I, I pick and choose the stories that I like about Jesus, but the other stories, I don't really want to dig into those. We do that with the scriptures where, where we'll say, I like these things uh, that the scriptures have to say, but I don't like these things. And simply what's going on is this, is that we impose on the scriptures what we want to see happen. We impose on the scriptures what our ideas are of marriage or of life together within the context of a family. And so what happens is this, is because God has defined marriage, and yet we don't go by God uh, and, and use his wisdom to define our marriage. What happens is this, is that things fall apart. 
and things rapidly come to an end. So whether you're married or not today, I want to en encourage you to really listen in and to, to understand what we're talking about because of this. Uh, if you're going into marriage, and, and statistics say that you will most likely be married um, at some point in your life, and, um, and so what you should know is you should understand how marriage works in your life uh, and how the, the scriptures communicate that to us. Um, if you are married, uh, you really need to understand this. You really do. So I want to encourage you to receive what Jesus has to say to us today through this passage because it's, it's one of the most controversial uh, elements of the scriptures, but it is, is also one of the most helpful, I believe, and I've seen that happen in my own marriage. What it says here, I'm going to read from the top, from verse 17 and uh, following. It says, And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Don't, don't get angry. Don't get angry. Stay calm. We'll explain. Okay. All right. Verse 19, husbands, love your wives. See, you like that, right? Love your wives. And do not be harsh with them. Another good one right there. Children. Any children in here right now of uh, age enough to be able to understand this? Children, obey your parents. Kids, this is for you. Children, obey your parents in everything. For this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. Now what this passage is communicating to us is some controversial stuff. As I said, we like the Lord of the wine, but the Lord of the whip we're not really sure about. And so there's a little bit of the Lord of the whip in here because our culture has defined the word submit to be something that is less than. When you look at... Uh, uh, pay inequalities uh, with, between male and female. Uh, women are very grieved by this, and most of us should be. If you're doing the same job and you're doing a, uh, a great job at that, you should be getting paid um, as much as your male, male counterpart. And so there's issues with that. But in addition to this, we see abuse within the context of marriage or just in relationships. Ray Rice comes to mind who uh, beat his uh, fiancée in an elevator, and people are very much in arms. How could she ever submit to that? And I'm in agreement with you that that's horrific. We see this over and over again from uh, celebrities uh, throughout our society. And so when we think about the word submit, the first thing that comes to our mind is, how could I possibly ever submit to this torturous abuse that comes from men? Now, what I want to say is this, just beginning at the very top, that the biblical understanding of how marriage should uh, happen is done in the context of love. And I'll get to that more in just a second here. But it, it's, it, there's an assumption here, and that is that you're not being physically abused or punched or even verbally abused or uh, any other kind of abuse. That, that this is a marriage where you're both equally saying, I would like to see how things, uh, how things would work better. And so that's the assumption here. So before you uh, take offense at the word submit, please think about that. So beginning at the top here, he says, wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. 
Now, first of all, let me tell you what this does not mean. I'm going to repeat myself here just a little bit. It says uh, what this does not mean. It does not mean that husbands are to force their wives to submit. It does not mean that husbands are to force their wives to uh, obey them or to even have a conversation. I once had a friend that got into lots of arguments with his wife, and I'm not saying this you know, vicariously as though it's really about me, but I actually had another friend, it wasn't me. Uh, we always, you know, <laughs> I've got this friend who's struggling with uh, something, and what do you think you ought to do, you know? But no, uh, he, he, uh, he was a friend of mine, and he, um, on his uh, computer screen as a screensaver, he put Ephesians 5, I think it's uh, 22, which begins to talk about this very same thing. Wives, submit to your husbands. And so his wife came and sat down at the computer and obviously saw that verse, and so that was uh, obnoxious to her. Uh, The scriptures never tell the husband to ensure that their wife is submitting. It never says that. And so guys, I don't know, you might just want to shut your ears for just a second, like be quiet, don't ever mention this again, um, but uh, just, just allow your wife to, to receive and to understand here and never bring this up in the context of an argument where you say you're not submitting or something along those lines. There are conversations you can have, but I want to encourage you to be careful in how you have those. Um, it is not your job to make sure that your wife lives in submission to you. That can only be described as an abusive relationship when you begin to bring that up on a regular basis. Secondly, it does not mean that the wife is inferior to the husband. It does not mean that the wife is inferior to the husband. What this simply means is this, is that if you take two trains coming down two tracks side by side and, and pretty soon they're both going to dump onto the same track. What has to happen is that something has to give. One of them's got to slow down or the other, or, or, or the other one's got to slow down. Now, I, I can, I'm going to tell you this, and it, it's going to rub you wrong if you've never heard these things before. But I, I want to help you understand something. This is what the scriptures say. And that is this, that if you're racing down that track, you're in a marriage, perhaps, or you're just beginning marriage, or perhaps you've never actually really joined together, but you're both kind of racing down this track and your marriage begins to get in trouble. The reason why that is, is because you've both tried to get on the same track at the same time. Because in the scriptures, it says the two shall become one flesh. What that means is that everything about your life comes together. Everything about your life becomes one. But when you try to come together and there's no give and take in there, it's just two trains dumping onto the same track at the same time. And what you end up with is obviously a train wreck. And many of you would look at your lives if you've been divorced before and you'd say, my life has been a train wreck. Or you might think about the way that you're living your life right now and the way that your marriage is working out right now. And you might say, I feel like I'm in the midst of a train wreck or it's about to happen. What you need to understand here is this, is that God designed women a particular way. Even though there's equality and they're not inferior, there's equality in design. But God has designed women in a particular way, and he has designed men in a particular way. It wasn't just by chance that you ended up that way. God chose you as a woman or chose you as a man to live that life, and he has given you specific qualities. 
And so what I'm saying here today is this, is that this is, it does not mean that the wife is inferior to the husband. Both have been created equal in the image of God. Genesis 1.27 says, so God created man in his own image, in the image of God. He created him, male and female, he created them. Now understand this, that this is being written at a time when women had very few rights, like no property rights. They can't really uh, make financial decisions on their own. They can't do anything like that. And so what you're seeing here is, is you're seeing a biblical understanding in the midst of a society that was very patriarchal and did not allow the woman any room whatsoever. And so the Apostle Paul is communicating something very clear, and it is very good. Number three, it is not absolute. This idea of submission is not absolute. If the husband should ever ask his wife to do something which in her conscience she knows to be wrong, uh, verified by the scriptures and, and perhaps good Christian friends, she has the right and the duty to disobey her husband. You have the right and the, and the, the, the duty to disobey your husband when he's asking you to do something illegal, abusive, something which you, which you know to be wrong. When you engage in those types of things, you're sinning just as much as your husband is. And he may be trying to lead you astray, but you have the right to say, I will not engage in this. Lastly, it is issued in a context of love, of which wives must be the objects, one commentator says. William Hendrickson, I believe, says this. It's issued in a context of love, as I said. The next verse is simply going to say that husbands should love their wives. That's the way that it should be. And so what needs to be clear here is that this is not submission at all costs. This is not, this is not obedience and subservience in a way that keeps the woman down, but it is done in such a way that it glorifies God and it allows the marriage to operate. Now, as I said, there's two trains that are coming together. And so the scriptures say this, that the wife is to submit to the husband. And so there's a leadership that needs to take place there, where the husband needs to be leading in the marriage. Now, I'm going to get to what that leadership is here in just a second, but the husband should be leading in the marriage. And so, in a sense, the wife holds back a little bit, the husband moves forward, and they're on the same track together. And this illustration only goes so far, but I will just say this, that the way that you don't have a train wreck in one sense is this, is that the husband, or I'm sorry, the wife is living in submission to her, to her husband. Now, some of you might say, I don't like the idea of this. Um, I have an unbelieving husband, or I, um, I, I don't like what he's doing. He claims to be a believer, but he operates in this way. How should I respond in, in that way? First Peter 3 Verse 1 says, Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives when they see your respectful and pure conduct. What that is saying here is this, is that even in that situation where you have perhaps an unbelieving husband, a husband who is perhaps in some ways uh, not a good guy, the way that you would operate in the context of that marriage is that you would say this, that in every way possible, 
I am going to respect this man, even though, let me just be clear, even though he doesn't deserve respect, even though he doesn't deserve the things that I give him. Let's interweave this with the gospel here for just a second. How could I ask you to do that? How could the Apostle Paul ask you to do this? Whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. How could, how could I respect him even when he's not respectable? Do everything in word or deed in the name of the Lord Jesus. Who is the Lord Jesus? The Lord Jesus is your Savior. He's the one who endured everything for you. He's the one who is God, fully God. He becomes fully man, comes to earth, endures all kinds of insults, endures a human life. He endures all things because he wanted to go to the cross for you, wife. He goes to the cross for you. He endures insults, shame. He endures worse than that. And he goes to the cross for you. And he dies. And he dies. How could the Apostle Paul ask you to submit? How could the Apostle Peter say that even if you're married to a non-believing husband who's against you and your religion, Live with him. Live with him in such a way that he's going to see your respectful and pure conduct. And he is going to hopefully, eventually believe. He's going to come to faith. He's going to come to a place where he says, I can't believe that she puts up with me. Again, what I'm not saying is that you're not putting up with abuse. You have a right and a duty to, to say, if, if you hit me, I'm calling the police right now. If you abuse me in any way, I'm going to take my, myself out of this equation. But to the degree that I am not being sinned against on that level, I will stay. I will stay. And I will give you what you do not deserve. That's what that means. What does a lack of submission look like? And right now, I am uh, wise to bring my wife up here. And, uh, have her, and have her help me with this. So, yeah, would you guys welcome my wife, Chris? And, uh, yeah, I wrote some things down, but I thought I, I wanted to hear your reaction to them, and I wanted our folks to hear your reaction to them so that this is not something. You know, I think people can hear something like this, and, and they're like, I wonder what his wife is thinking, you know? I mean, like, I, and so I, I'm, I'm thinking, you know what? I haven't really coached her on this um, other than uh, shock therapy, but uh, other than that, um, right answers. Let's get it right. Uh, um, but uh, uh, I, I wanted to hear what you had to say about, about submission and what submission is, is not. I had some ideas that I wanted to bring about, but first, why don't you tell us about your, your thoughts on submission here? On what submission is? Yeah, on what submission okay. is, yeah. Um, well, I have talked about this a little bit before, and I really love talking about submission. That might sound kind of funny, but I really love it because I think it is very important, and I think as 
Matt talks a lot just about culture and how culture has um, really led us astray. And obviously, um, obviously we see the breakdowns in marriage and we see the breakdowns in cultural marriages a lot. And I think the Bible has some really great, obviously some really great things to say about submission. And I love how Matt talked about um, as a wife, I'm not inferior. Let's be honest. I know he needs me, right? <laughs> and... Just what do you say, the neck that turns the head? Yes. Is that right? Yeah. That's, I think that's a big fat Greek wedding <laughs> quote that I've stolen <laughs> and used, and used often. But yes, it's not, it's not an inferior, but I, um, I don't want to try to fit into a role that I wasn't created for. And so I believe the Bible. I believe what it says is true 100%. And so I want to know what my role is. And I believe that God has um, given us his words there. And so when we look into what the scripture says about wives submitting to their husbands, I believe that's true and I want to know what that looks like. And so one of the things that I think is really important is it says, it doesn't say wives submit to your husband um, because they deserve it. It doesn't, but it says wives submit to your husband as fitting unto the Lord. And so one of the things that has really helped my understanding of what submission looks like is understanding that I'm submitting to the Lord and that doesn't matter, again, as Matt has described, different situations um, that are complicated and, and need to be counseled through. But in, a, in, a, in our marriage where um, um, there's, um, what am I trying to say here? I'm losing my train of thought. Um, in, a, in a typical marriage, in our marriage, for example, um, I get to submit, and it just, it works better in those ways. That's not to say that I am less. It's not to say that I don't have an opinion, because I have opinions. Yes, you yes, do. I yes, I do. Yes, you do. And, she told um, me I was supposed to say yes there. No. Yes. Oh, no, no, no. You no. just read it in my eyes. See? He's, he's good. <laughs> I told him, I was joking, we, he came and picked me up this morning, and I, I can't remember what I said, but I said, and now you will submit to me. It was very <laughs> funny, but um, <laughs> the end. Just okay, I'm all kidding. right, all right. Is that what you <laughs> that's, a, that's, that's what I was thinking. Oh, oh, I remember what I was, I was going to say one yeah, more thing, yeah. but when, when I'm submitting to the Lord, it makes it, it's, there can, if we think that our husbands are the ones that are saying you need to submit to me, I mean, the the example that you gave about the verse on the computer screen, I forgot about that. That's hilarious, by the way. I don't know what I would do if I saw that. Um, anyways, but um, I want to be obedient to the Lord. And so if the Lord is saying I need to submit to my husband, I want to I obey the Lord in that. And then it also takes pressure because when I think it's my husband that's kind of holding me to this, it creates pressure and tension in our marriage. And so when we understand that I'm being obedient to the Lord, it frees me up to love Matt the way that God wants me to, not the way that he is demanding me to, but the way that God wants me to. And then I get to be a blessing to him and, and him to me, so. Yeah, yeah. So I, I wanna talk about some things like what does a lack of submission look like in a marriage? And so, um, do you see those? You, okay, right here, right here, okay. yeah, yeah. Um, so okay, yeah, some things yeah. that come up, okay. come up that I've, you know, um, thought about mm -hmm. and witnessed at different times are like um, not necessarily in our marriage mm -hmm. by the way and not that we've never had marital issues never never <laughs> but um, a lack of submission can look like criticizing your husband behind his back or to his face in a way that is degrading 
And I, the, when I think about that, I think it's not, it's not necessarily that you can't um, criticize something that's going on in my life, but it's, it's the way that you're doing that and in a way that's, in essence, and not that I'm this fragile um, little dude, which we know that I am. Okay, I'm a teddy bear at home. But um, uh, come on, I'm trying to keep my train of thought here. Uh, <laughs> I'm not saying a word. <laughs> Um, but it's, it's, it's the way, I mean, because you can bring things to me and you mm-hmm. can say, I, I, I see this. Mm-hmm. It's the way that that comes across, mm-hmm. um, I think, in, in some ways that can be the difference bet- between living in submission mm-hmm. and not necessarily living in submission. Yeah, and I think some of those are just common respect. Uh, it's just a common respect <laughs> yeah, that you yeah. would have for someone. I mean, I mean, I don't talk about... I mean, if, if there's something going on, like I want to talk to Matt first, obviously. And, but if not, I mean, I have a mentor that I could go to and we discuss this, but she loves Matt, they're for Matt. It's, it's not like a, I'm just gonna go bash, bash my husband. And let me tell you, it is, not, it is not hard to find someone that will listen to you bash your husband. I mean, it's, it's um, that's very common here in our in our culture and I was on a Facebook site like for like it's a Salem moms you know just different moms around Salem and and I there was someone that actually posted something about she just ripped on her husband on this post and then you know comment after comment about how she should be telling her husband I mean I was just kind of like oh my word I mean it's that that whole like we talk about sin is progressive and (laughs) when we start kind of down that path of of saying something, and you could start out, it could start out as a joke, and then you could say, well, I really don't like this, and you could get other women to agree with you very quickly, and it can easily lead to something that is really unhealthy in your marriage, and so, yes. Yeah, so like criticizing your husband behind his back to his face in a way that that is degrading, Mm -hmm. um, uh, or really talking about him at all probably outside of your marriage, unless it's for the purpose of saying, I don't know how to deal with this with a solid Christian friend, probably a leader, a counselor, I'd really encourage, I've encouraged you to do that. Like if you have an issue with me that you need to, Mm -hmm. you know, address or something like that, that's, that's certainly appropriate. Yeah, you don't just stuff it. You don't just hide and say, I can't, don't, don't feel isolated. Don't feel like you're trapped in whatever is going on. If there's stuff going on, you need, you need counsel and we need to get to the bottom of some of it. But you're talking about just a way that is, um, just really mean. I mean, if you're just yeah. going to be mean to your spouse, that's that's an issue. Yeah, dominating your husband to the point where he's being uh, kind of ordered around, kind of a deal. Um, I don't know. Any ideas on how that could come? No. <laughs> this is not about just us. Kidding. I know. It's not about us. We no, have a, we no. have friends that do this, but <laughs> no, I never order him. Is this the friend thing? Like, keep bringing up. This is so Listen, bad. we are not we'll perfect. We'll cut all this you from the podcast, know. all right? We, yeah. We are not, we are not perfect, yeah. and we have to deal with this stuff daily, too. I mean, it's, it's a choice. It's a choice to submit, and it's a choice to love your wife. It's, we're not perfect. Life is messy. We're em- embracing the, um, that it's messy. It's one day at a time. Um, I would say, um, <clears throat> yeah, the being ordered around. I think that guys can feel like this pretty easily, uh, I'll just be honest, because I, I mean, I'm like, I'm a type A, I'm organized <laughs> until I have four kids, but um, I used to be organized, but I'm, you know, you, you try to kind of, 
if you kind of like things in order and in, in a box, and you can you can kind of get like, hey, can you do this? Can you do this? Can you do this? And and I can do that. I mean, I I I do that, and I don't realize it. And sometimes he'll say, hey, what are you? Do you like me? I'm like, yeah, totally. But oh, sorry, my order. I d I don't mean to. I just my personality can kind of tend to be. Um, but, let's get this done. But a lot of that is okay though, because you you, you could say, oh, could could you could you. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! What have I done? Um, uh, Permission no, granted. No, because because here's a, here's here's how I and we're yeah we're totally um, gonna be out of time here before too long. But when when I come home and, and I know as a as as a, the loving husband that I am, mm -hmm. um, when I come home and I realize that you've been home with the kids and you have things that you need done, mm -hmm. like there's a lot of things that are that are totally. Okay, like, can you take out the yeah, trash? Totally. Can you do this? That's not necessarily that. It, it would I'm be saying d tone of voice, tone of demanding, voice, dominating. Yes, yeah, yes. yeah. That's what I'm talking about. There, there's, there's a way to do that yeah. in love. Um, there's also a way that that a husband can kind of say, okay, I'm not going to respond to this in a way that you know, like, I feel like she's dominating me. Um, but I, I'm going to realize what she's been going through throughout the day, and not that every wife here is staying at home with four kids. Some of you have jobs and. And in fact, there's probably, most of you probably have jobs other than working in the home. And um, uh, uh, that's what I meant, outside jobs. And so uh, <laughs> um, I'm going to quit. I know okay. what you All mean. Right. <laughs> okay, how about um, when it comes to listening to your husband's desires for your marriage mm -hmm. or for um, kids, what are some ways that um, gals could think about submitting in those, in those things? How would you say that um, a, a lack of submission can come across in, in some of those ways. In, well, I'm sorry, which part? Um, like, in, no like looking for the husband to lead in the direction for the marriage or even with, with children and things like that. Okay. Yeah, I think um, maybe one of the ways that this has worked for us is, like I said, I tend to be a little more, you know, let's have a, let's have a plan. Matt tends to be a little bit more spontaneous. And, and I think you're, you're definitely growing in... Making a making a plan and things like that for our family, which is really awesome to Let's me. Let's be clear. I'm actually not growing in that. I'm actually growing in understanding that she plans better than I do, and so I, in those areas, I actually look to her and say, mm -hmm. ha, uh, "Okay, here's let let's do this." There are times though that I say, "I don't want to plan right now. It's my day off. I don't want I don't want to have to do that today. Let's let's just hang out." And so we there's some give and take on this. So. Totally. <laughs> So um, this might be the worst idea no, I've ever had. No, no, um, no, no. This is great. Um, yes, I would say um, recognizing each other's strengths. And what we were talking about even just this morning is that submission is not loving your wife and submitting to your husband is not a one size that those things are true. But how that happens in your marriage is not a one size fits all because you're all gifted differently. Um, I'm gifted differently than some of you are and, and vice versa. You have different spouses. And so we, we were just saying too that understanding how um, having a relationship with the Lord, a personal um, relationship in, in ways that you can hear from the Holy Spirit on how to love your husband specifically and be submissive and also how to love your wife. I think that is super important. And some of these things are principles that will apply, but a lot of this too, you have to figure this out between the, the Lord and also with your spouse. But I would say that um, I think sometimes as women, I think we can just kind of make decisions for the family and just kind of say, okay, well, this is what I want to do. And and 
I think we can kind of tend to just kind of go ahead of our husbands because, you know, because we have an idea first or, um, or they're a little bit slower to kind of come up with some of those things. And so I think when I have an idea or, and that's not to mean that I can't ever do anything, but when, when I have an idea as far as our family, even in, um, you know, with little kids and disciplining and bedtimes and who does what, things like that, those are things that I want to run by my husband too because he's part of the equation. I can't, I, I can't just do what I want and vice, and vice versa. And so we have to come together on, on those things such a, I don't, I can't even think of an example well, can, right now. But yeah, like I, I can't, and this is pretty innocuous. I think just like bedtimes have been, have been hard mm-hmm. sometimes because you're pretty tired. I'm like, get these kids to bed now, right now. It's been all day. They're jumping, they're bouncing off the walls. And he is like, I just got home from work and I haven't seen him all day. Like, all right, I'm leaving. You can have them. I'm kidding. That doesn't actually happen. But... <laughs> Bedtimes were something that we we had to kind of work through because I mean seriously by you know 7 p.m. I'm like okay let's get them in bed but you know and he would say let's watch a movie at seven I'm like two more hours are you kidding me <laughs> but when we when we work through those and I can understand for my husband okay he the, I mean I want to I mean he wants to be a good dad and and spend spend some time with them and I don't want to. I don't want to keep him from that. But there are times when he sees a look <laughs> in my eyes and is like, it's bedtime. <laughs> it's bedtime. <laughs> and so we can, we, we can submit to one another in that. But it doesn't just have to be how I want it based on my feelings and emotions. So Yeah. Is and just, uh, just on that topic, like when, when I come home and I, for some reason, have uh, more energy than I normally do. Sometimes I come home and I say, you know, I, I want to do something fun with the kids. I want to, I want to, um, <clears throat> you know, watch a movie and, and get ice cream or, or something like that. And sometimes that's very hard mm-hmm. for her. That, that's been something that we've had, had to work through. We actually had a good discussion on it, you know, the first couple of times because there was, uh, I think I'm okay in saying this, there was some frustration like, hey, you come home, you didn't plan this, and you're ready to do this. And I had to say, well, I don't really know when I'm going to have lots of energy all the time. <laughs> I just do right now. And I, and I feel like that. And so one of the ways that I feel respected um, by you in that is you said, okay, I'm, I'm okay with that. I'll, I'll go along with it. Although I knew that I had to pick up a lot of uh, slack necessarily and, and say, okay, listen, you just sit and hang out. I'll get everything ready. I'll, I'll take care of it. I'll help make sure they get into bed and things like that. So that was a way that submission worked, but it's also a way that leadership worked because um, I did, you know, there's a guy who's actually speaking at Man Camp. So if you haven't signed up for Man Camp, you should. His name's John Bryson. But one of the things he said at a recent conference we had was, he said, as, as the man in the house, you are the purveyor of fun in your house. And it's not that mom can't have fun with the kids, but she's with them all day as the disciplinary you know, person. She's disciplining them. She's doing all of these things. And, and I also need to come home and, and, and exercise discipline with them. But even more so, I need to come home and I need at times to be ready to bring fun and to say, okay, let's do this together as a family and, and make sure that this happens. Sometimes if the man doesn't say that it, it will happen, it doesn't happen. But that's the way that I lead in the home sometimes. It's not every time. My wife loves to do a, a lot of different things with the kids and does, and does great things like that. But I also have to be one that brings those types of things. Let's just do um, 
Um, uh, a couple more. Making plans or large financial decisions without his input. Um, and really, men, this goes uh, the same for you. Um, without having talked about things, what are some ways that, that, that women sometimes could make financial decisions? And not that they can't make a financial decision, but in a way that might be harmful and, and not really looking to the husband to, to lead in some ways. Um, as far as a financial decision, I mean, I think that is, I mean, that needs to be considered by both people. I mean, should, I don't, should I don't a, think Should a wife a, be, be spending, um, you know, large amounts of cash or things like, or, or things like that, or even just regular expenditures <laughs> without her husband's, um, just kidding. Okay, let's pray. All right. <laughs> okay. Um, but how would that work in the context of a marriage? What, what do you think? Okay. I just, th that is just like, you, you have to be honest with one another. I, I think girls, I think it's easy to, um, to spend money and bring things in the house without your husband knowing it. I mean, I think it is. If, if that's kind of, you know, your, I don't know if that's a struggle for you. I think, I think it's, it's important to be honest with where things are at. And, um, and just, just like you would like your husband to be the same way with you. Um, again, I think that's a, that's, um, another issue of just respecting one another and respecting that you're not the only one in the home. Um, but making making large financial decisions or spending money, I just think there ne there needs to be a um, just a system of honesty of able to say here's here's what I spent, here's what I bought, and um, and it may be a willingness to maybe return it if it's not within the budget or just an op I think an openness to be um, to be questioned maybe I think. Um, not a defensiveness, but just an openness. So when we talk about this a lot, I say, okay, this is what I'm spending on this, or this is, are, are you okay with this? I mean, I just, I wanna make sure that we're on the same page so that, you know, five years down the road, it's not like, oh, yes, I thought that was, a, I thought you were okay with that. And anyways. Yeah, so I mean, there's, I there's definitely leeway in our, in our marriage for you to say, hey, I saw this and it was like, it was 40 bucks and I, and I thought, you know, we needed food this month. And so I, I say, I'm just kidding. Like it, it or was a pair of shoes. <laughs> a pair of shoes. And so, and, and th there are times like that where it's like, yeah, that, that makes sense. And we know that we have, you I know. I think it's just uh, being, uh, being open. Be yeah. An availability to being open to hearing what your spouse has to say about that. I try to leave the window open so that it's not awkward if he has to come say, babe, I really don't think you should have spent that. I try to ask frequently just, um, just when it comes to finances, just so just so it doesn't have to be weird. Yeah, but there's give and take there. Totally. Where you can, where you can say, I really do think we need this. Oh, yeah. And, and, yes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. So yes. it's not just my will no, exerted no, no. over you, but no. you're, you're submitting to that process. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and then uh, uh, lastly, and we'll, we'll probably end with this, mm -hmm. um, we're going to have to get to the guys <laughs> next week. <laughs> we're supposed to get through at least that today, but um, this has been great. Um, what does submission look like? When I think about submission... One of the things that I think about is that I don't think of it as keep ho keeping you down, but I, I think of my wife as being even a better leader than I am in, in some respects. And um, so she has helped me a ton as a pastor in many different ways, and so that's been super helpful. But one of the ways that she kind of submits uh, to me and is, um, is able to, to help me, she's a helper for me, is encouraging me 
um, on a regular basis. I, I believe that that has got to be a main staple in the context of submission. And it's also kind of the answer to, okay, I have a husband that's kind of a moron. How do I help him not be a moron, you know? And I would never say that. <laughs> never say that. Um, so in, in, in that respect, when it comes to encouragement, what would you say to girls that are saying, you know, I, I, you know, does submission mean I lay down all of my rights and I never have anything to say about this? How do you go about affecting change, like the positive end um, of submission? What's that look like? Well, I would just say, too, that, um, you know, we've been married for almost nine years and our marriage today is not the way, like it was in those first two years of marriage. I mean, this stuff takes time. And I think we can laugh and joke about a lot of this stuff. And some of you that might be in your first year of marriage or, you know, even a marriage that didn't work out. I mean, you might be just saying, I don't even know how you, how you're doing that. And, um, but I, it takes time. And we talk about, it's making small choices every day where that's how submission happens. And that's how I think loving your wife happens. And, um, Matt is an awesome husband and he has also grown a ton over the last several years. And I think when you have two people that are willing to love the Lord and love each other, I think there's hope there. And, and um, so I would just say, too, uh, what does submission look like uh, as far as my perspective as a wife? Again, we talked about um, me being obedient to the Lord in how I love and encourage and respect and really respect my husband. And it's making those, I think, just those small choices every day to consider to consider him and to consider what, what he needs. And he's doing the same for me also, um, but looking for ways where I can look to him for leadership rather than just taking it on my own and running with it, um, pausing and saying, here's what I'm thinking, what do you think? Or, um, you know, wanting, wanting to get kind of his thoughts on that. So Yeah, yeah, and I, I think the difference for me has, has been when I look at what I love about our marriage, it's that you really have things that I, I want your thoughts on. Mm -hmm. And so I think part of that requires that if a guy is going to do that, there needs to be an understanding that mm -hmm. um, he has a great wife and he mm -hmm. should definitely tap into, especially the areas that she's really good at. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Hopefully you married a wife that compliments your, your, um, your weaknesses and so that that makes you stronger. But instead of you being over top of me and saying, you know, you, you know, trying to change me and, and, and um, you know, w w however that would happen. I, I'm, I don't even have a good idea of that because I, I haven't well, seen it happen a ton in our marriage. But. Yeah, I mean, I, really, I think I realized a long time ago that I'm, I'm not going to change my husband. The Lord will change my husband. And I've said this before, too, but the same God that I'm praying to about how I'm, I have hopes for my marriage and that I'm praying to about our marriage is the same God that speaks to him. And so I have to trust that the Lord is going to be speaking to my husband as well and, it, and for it to not come from me. Um, and so, again, I get to follow kind of my role in encouraging my husband. But um, also, too, I mean, we, we talked about having a relationship with the Holy Spirit, but I think submission also is easier when you're in Christian community and when you when you're connected to people in the church that are, that are also striving for that. Because, I mean, if we're honest, not a lot of people are stri striving for that. And I think being in a culture where we're surrounded by people who are 
working hard at being submissive, it takes hard work. It's not easy. It's not, it's not a thing that happens overnight, but it happens slowly with small changes and running with people who believe the same that you do and um, hold marriage in a high regard and, and hold the Bible in a high regard. I think that's, that's a really great way to, to, to move in that direction anyways. So. Awesome. Thank you so much. Mm -hmm. appreciate you. Okay, you can go. Yeah. Yeah, love my wife. Um, totally took a lot longer than I thought it was going to, and so I have a lot left over um, for next week. And so um, let me just say this, that um, I believe this is absolutely critical for your marriage, and I think it begins with, and perhaps by God's, you know, um, will today, um, we spent more time on this because this is a bigger issue and uh, right now just because of... Um, so many competing voices within our culture talking about keeping women down. I hope that what we were able to display today is an attitude of, of openness between us, and it's not me keeping my wife down and, and so forth, but that submission can be a very positive thing. Let me just come back to this, that whatever you do in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him, that this is the way that you honor Jesus in your marriage, ladies. And guys, I'm going to have a ton of stuff uh, for you next week, and I, um, I really want to encourage you to make sure that you're here and, and bring, uh, bring your, uh, your wife along with you. Make sure you bring uh, other folks that may have um, some stuff in, in their marriage that they need to get through. Um, the, the man, as the leader in the home, has the first responsibility to love his wife. Because Jesus loved us first. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. In Ephesians chapter 5, it says that husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church. That means this, the church was sinning against Jesus uh, before Jesus went to the cross. Jesus didn't go to the cross and say, hey, are you going to start being nice to me? If you are, then I'll go to the cross for you. No, Jesus went to the cross while we were still sinners. And so men, you have a responsibility to lead in that. So this is very much dependent on you. You create the marriage that you live in oftentimes. And so I want to encourage you in that today, understanding this, that Jesus died for you. He went to the cross for you. And so you can endure through a difficult marriage, at least endure for another week if you need prayer today because you're going through something difficult in your marriage or you have stuff you need to get off your chest or whatever. I would love to speak with you. We're going to go to a time of communion where we just thank Jesus for going to the cross for us. Um, the, the cracker represents his, his broken body, that he was just physically beaten and hurt. And the juice represents the blood of Jesus that he poured out for us. And so that's what we do here is that we just say thank you to Jesus. And uh, we keep him uh, in our hearts in a way um, that, that says that Jesus is everything to us. And so that's what we do through communion. We're going to go to a time of music and partaking of communion. Let's do that now. Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, we thank you uh, for what you're going to do in our lives and in our marriages. For those that um, didn't know some of the things that we talked about today, Lord, I pray that they would um, work on those things, Lord, that they'd, they'd think about them. Maybe if there's conviction in their life that, that they haven't operated correctly, Lord, I pray that they'd, they'd seek out um, a, a mentor, someone that they could talk to, perhaps my wife, about, um, about what's going on in their life. Um, um, Lord, for the men here that are um, struggling in one way or another, Lord, I pray for them. Lord, I pray that they would uh, begin to lead well. 
Um, Lord, we thank you so much for, for what you're doing in our church. We thank you for the strong marriages that we have. Lord, we also just want to thank you and pray over the marriages that are suffering right now. So many uh, marriages are suffering quietly. Some are, some are suffering more publicly. Um, but Lord, we, we ask you for your help and your wisdom. And Lord, we, we pray for strong marriages in the future because of what you've done for us on the cross. It's in your name we pray. Amen.